What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. I'm your host of today's show, Steve McCutcheon, along with my two co-hosts, Michael Noen and Vito Anazelli. Say hello, fellas. Steve, good to be back. Hello, hello, hello. How you doing? It's good to have the whole group back finally. So you've had some slackers over there, so. Yeah, it's been, been a couple episodes without all three of us, right? Vito yeah. and I have been too busy partying. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Duty bad, calls, you know. <laughs> bad dog life now, man. What can I say? Primarily may have taken a break, but my liver has not. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Love to see that. We have another great show for you guys today. Before that, please take a moment. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the bell, subscribe to us. Uh, Spotify, iTunes as well, wherever else you find your podcast. Also follow us on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod. We have some news and notes from around the world to kick the show off today. One of the most notable that I'm sure everyone saw, especially on Twitter, Brazil versus Argentino, just fiasco right now. I, I don't even know what else to describe what the hell happened on the field right there. But what, what's your guys' take? Oh, uh, man. I mean, I, I I didn't think it was possible to out CONCACAF, CONCACAF, but, <laughs> yeah, but here we are. They somehow were able to do it. I mean, if you heard the reports, and the reports are believed to be true, right? Basically, they had a couple players enter the country illegally, uh, lie about their documentation, lock the officials out of the dressing room, of the Argentinian dressing room, and then went to play the game. And then the Brazilian health officials stormed the field. Um, and then all chaos ensues 15 minutes later. Absolute classic scenes. Um, I could not expect anything more out of a match in South America. That set the bar so much higher for yeah. every game I have to watch. Now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Especially for those two. Yeah, I, I mean, if if that's true, not only is that going to be a forfeit for Argentina, but that's we're looking at a potential point deduction too. They were saying that the points would be deducted from Brazil. That's the funnier part. Is that the Wait, Brazil how's that, how would that be? Yeah, the Brazil Federation <laughs> gave them the green light to play, which is even weirder because they had the green light to play the month prior in the Copa America. Yeah. So I'm not sure why they're all of a sudden stepping up and pretending to just jump in and – you know, be the COVID police now because they haven't, in all honesty, have to get too political, don't really care about it in Brazil too much. But, you know, um, it's pretty interesting to say the least. But yeah, we'll see yeah, you're not kidding. Do with those guys. Yeah, happens. But uh, that was honestly the most wild thing ever. Like, legitimately, the police just came on the field and be like, nah, match is over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, really? That's like, okay, it's nuts. Some other stuff from around the world that we got. Congrats on Italy. They broke the unbeaten streak of Brazil and Spain. They had a joint record of 35, and Italy finally got to 36, breaking that. What's the uh, last game they lost? Did you guys uh, look that up? Yeah, it was to Portugal almost. What's what? what I can't three and a half years ago now, almost. Three and a half years. This September 10th, 2018, when Portugal won the, I think it was the inaugural Nations League, right? Um, or Euros when, when Ronaldo won the Euros, something along those lines. So, gotcha. Yeah. I mean, so pretty much right after they didn't qualify for the World Cup is when they went on this run, right? Exactly. Yeah. Good for them. And we got some also interesting groups uh, just going on over in the uh, European qualifiers for the World Cup, uh, notably B, uh, G, H, and J. If you guys want to kind of get into that a little bit. Yeah, Netherlands is on a tear. Uh, six game, six goals last game, four goals the game before. Uh, the only downside for them is it sounds like Holland broke Van Dyke's finger on one of those challenges. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it's not his leg, so I guess it's not too much to worry about. But 
they came storming back. They're they're level with Norway on points now. Group G. Yeah, that's definitely a good group. Group H also real fast just to hit on it. Croatia, Russia tied at thirteen points a pop. So you know coming into the back half of like the qualifying. Definitely a couple groups to def- watch, take a look at. I think there's a couple other teams too, or nations, I should say, that have some pretty close point tallies, and it'll be an interesting run in the back half. So, yeah, Spain and Sweden are duking out up top on, on Group B. Spain with ten points, Sweden with nine. Uh, Italy look clear, Switzerland for the most part. So, I mean, yeah, some of them are pretty close, other ones aren't. The winners yeah. uh, all go through, and then second place, uh, some runner-up finishes. They go into like a playoff and stuff. So, it'll be interesting just to watch kind of down the road. Yep. But we do have something massive to talk about. And when I mean massive, like big time. The United States men's national team has not started too hot with the first two qualifiers. And we have one more game tomorrow when this podcast is actually coming out. Two draws and two matches, one away to El Salvador and one a 1-1 draw to Canada at home. What's your guys' positive take backs mm. or takeaways, I guess you <laughs> say? Have, do we have any? <laughs> yeah. My number one positive for the takeaways is that we are utterly dominating both uh, both those matches. Yeah. Um, maybe not possession-wise against El Salvador. I believe that was a little closer to 50-50. But overall, the USA is creating far more chances than the opponents we've played against, um, especially against the Canadian side, which admittedly, admittedly is not the best, but is not the worst team in the world either. So it's good to see us trying to control the matches. I mean, okay. I'd, say, I'd say in general, obviously, and this is after the first game we were watching and kind of talking about this, but a lot of people don't realize that CONCACAF, it has like this reputation as being a joke of like a conference and whatever, but playing at those games on the road, especially it was the first game. It was uh, Honduras, right? El Salvador. El Salvador. Salvador. Sorry. I mean, if you listen and watch that game for anybody who was listening, right? That stadium, it was rocking, absolutely rocking, especially during the national anthem um yeah, I, yeah it, it was definitely a scary sight there was even one point where like a little fireworker bomb went off and you see Gio Reno just kind of jumping almost shit himself a little bit I was crying <laughs> when I saw <laughs> that though like Inst- instantly to, jinxed and you have to take into account like a lot again this is like the for the most part the youngest generation of like U.S. talent playing in these CONCACAF games and for a lot of them this is baptism with fire right yep. so for them to come in get a single point out of El Salvador in El Salvador awesome I'll take that all day of the week the game against Canada less forgivable but to be in a position where you know still at two points a couple teams above us that have a few more points but we're still i think the majority i think two or three have two as well um there's four yeah four teams tied with two points right now mexico and panama are ahead of us panama with four mexico uh both six so there's definitely still a possibility to finish in the top half um i wouldn't say obviously the top spot anymore but um they have to be stronger overall over and to Vito's point, like they played well, they're just not putting away the chances, which we'll get to in a little bit. But yeah, yeah, and Tyler Adams also deserves a shout out. That kid's an animal in the midfield. Yeah, so. he is basically like our Antonio Conte over the next uh World Cup, qual- the entire what 12 games Antonio we have. Antonio Conte, you mean a yeah. yellow Conte? <laughs> yeah, same guy, same guy. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I'll take Conte as a coach, we'll go to that later, but. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think another good takeaway from that, though, and in, in, while we're talking about standout performances, Milo Robinson's also been one of the best players on the field uh, for both of those games in the center and back position there. So he's definitely looking to – he definitely, was, in my opinion, has locked down his position uh, in that back four for the time being. Yeah, I don't see anyone – I mean, 
competition is completely open. I mean, we got Mark McKenzie, we got Chris Richards, who's, who's not even in the, the, the roster right now. So he's definitely going to have some people knock on the door, but he has definitely solidified himself next to Brooks as our, as our number two center back. Yeah. hundred um, percent. The other, other positive we haven't lost. That's a good sign. We're getting points, which you never know which one point that was the difference between us. Not, not getting into yep. the uh, playoff last the yep. last time around. So yep. you never know which one it could be. So take with a grain of salt. I forgive the first game slightly. I don't, I don't want to, I want to say that very loosely, I guess. I forgive the result, not the performance. The performance was trash. We were sloppy on the ball. Possession was horrible, but yeah, I yeah. guess we can get that in a little bit. So what's our negative takeaways from the first, from the first uh, two qualifiers? Not finding a way to win the games. Every team that's ever won a major championship or has been in contention for a championship has found a way to find that one moment of magic in a match to put yourself ahead. And in games where we're absolutely dominating, we're not being able to find those opportunities. Or I'm sorry, we're not being able to convert those opportunities because we're definitely creating them. We had 13 mm-hmm. chance, big chances created against El Salvador and put one of them away. Like that's You can't do that if you want to make it through this group when only one team naturally qualifies. Um, and that's my, that's my biggest problem over those last two games. Yeah, there's no reason we shouldn't have won the El Salvador game, honestly. And as bad as we looked on the ball possession-wise, passing, sloppiness, all that, first mm-hmm. touches – we had three amazing headering opportunities, McKinnon, Miles, and Acosta. Yeah, they should have put it away. They, they one of them had on one target, of them. at least. At least. So that that was that was definitely I mean, my negative takeaway, we four points dropped. We were we should have won that game. We were ahead in the Canada game. It's it's not it's is Burhalter what, what's what are you guys feeling? I think is the is the summer glory just gone already? Like, it, what was it? Was it really a disguise? Like, do we do we do? I think we as the players, not to say that the level of intensity wasn't there in the Gold Cup and the the Nations League. I just think that obviously, you know, it's it's the World Cup qualifiers, and people are going to play like their lives depend on it, right? Because for yeah. a lot of these players too, and these, exactly these other countries, like their lives really do depend on it because they're that's the difference between them getting noticed and getting a contract, maybe in Europe. And like a team in Belgium, for hypothetically, right? And now that I'm just saying, like, I don't think the players that we had were ready for it. I think there's also an absolute Greg being, um, I don't want to say underprepared from a coaching perspective, but tactically, maybe not the best use of some players. Serginio Desk on the left, for instance, in the first game, right? Should he be playing there, right? Um, not beefing up the midfield a little bit quicker in that first game when you could tell that we were really slacking on possession. Um, a couple of those key pieces and key things. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I thought a comment came back to bite us. That's why I went on Greg. Greg has to own it. But I'm pretty confident that he'll have the ability to pull through. I have full faith and belief in him. If it's another 1-1 draw, another 0-0 draw, or hypothetically a loss, I think the pressure goes from like a 3 right now to like an 8. Like it just drastically turns up on him. So, I mean, I think the pressure yeah. I think the pressure's already at like a six and a half, seven. Yeah. A draw, a, a loss, a loss at Honduras. I, I, we we fired Klinsman for about the same thing. Yeah, and we only played. I, I, I think between both those games, only five people from the original lineup against Salvador made it into the Canadian lineup. And I don't know if that was an issue of players maybe not being match fit, which I, I don't wouldn't under, fully understand. But he changed basically half the lineup, and he changed the formation week over week. I think after you see that performance, maybe you give him an, another shot. He. Granted, did it work against Canada? I mean, who's to say? Did we dominate the game more? Yes. Did we win the game? No. So 
you, if you know, you know who you want in your team. If you're Greg Baller at this point, you've seen him now through two tournaments and you've won two trophies. You know who needs to be in that team. You know who's available. So I don't understand why he's continuing to try to tinker with this lineup instead of trying to get more fluidity with these guys and let them let the synergy kind of work a little bit better than we've seen this in the opening two game, two matches. What do you guys think about the striker position? Out of curiosity, we haven't we've seen two. We've seen Sergeant P. Fuck both um both start. Mm. I doubt Pepe gets it, even just because it's high, his high, first high, camp. Highly doubt it. I think he might get a substitute appearance in the next game, depending on what's going on. But we got, we got Sergeant, Pifak, um, Zardis, now Pepe, uh, DK, and Hop. I think in the really solution right now. For all intents and purposes, the next game it'll probably be Sergeant starting again, realistically, um, just because he got the rest. So they want him to be coming out on all cylinders and probably bring that game to them. But in terms of like a long-term solution right now, you know, I love Josh, I love all those players. I think they're all extraordinary players, but are they at the standard of like what the U.S. men's national team should and expect to have? Probably not. They're not putting away the chances that they're getting for the most part. Um, and like we were alluding to earlier on this show, um, that seems to be our Achilles heel right now. As we get into these amazing positions, we have these wingers who can dribble, make the plays, and nobody's there on the back post to, or the front post to finish. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a little, little torn on that. I, I think Mike's right with the Josh Sargent call. I think he's definitely probably the main candidate in Berhalter's mind too, given the fact that our wingers like to take players on and get outside and Sargent likes to drop a little bit deeper into the midfield and pick up possession and play a little, yep. little one twos and whatnot. But at the same time, it's exactly what's hurting our offense because we're not getting a player forward. Once we get it out to those wings to get the ball across for that, for the, where the striker should be. So I would personally like to see Josh Sargent stay a little bit farther forward, maybe drop Gio Renna out of that winger position, mixing Conrad Del Fuente and Pulisic and even Brandon Harrison, because Gio Renna can play in that position and play the one-twos and, and, and spin the play out wide for those guys to get service into Josh Sargent. I think that's where the, the major lack is, and I think if they try to switch that up a little bit, Josh Sargent would fare a little bit better and look a little bit better than he has the opening uh, match or two. Yeah, the big, the biggest dis, like disjointed part of the offense that I saw from the first two games was the lack of a center attacking mid or number ten role. Exactly, yeah, absolutely. So, can, so many runs. Pass. Yes, pass. that not even just the pass, but just the space. Like it, it reminded me. Uh, I'm bringing this over and over again. We're like we're Chelsea fans. I mean, Vito at least watching Sorry play or just manage the game. It yeah. seemed like we just be passing a U shape around constantly. We just yep. only go up and down the wings. There was nothing in that middle or the central of the field. The one goal that we've scored so far in these qualifiers was a beautiful hold-up play. Or Well, Aronson took it, got the P-Folk, a little bit mishap right there, got to pull sick. The ball was held up right in the middle, made two runs off of it, and then Robinson found uh, the guy who started it all again. Right Aronson. Aronson. Yeah. But it was right in the middle of the field where everything happened and opened up the entire game. Yeah, I haven't I, had that. And having someone there also allows our striker to just stay up top where he can poach goals. Yeah, definitely. And and even to that point, Brennan Aronson in the first game against El Salvador was playing in that camp position and had the he second was, lowest rating on that field for the U.S. team. He really was out of position. He was out of position. That's what I'm saying. He, he needs yeah. to be playing out in the wing spot. The moment you got him out there, he, he's pulling a 7.7 overall, I think it was. You need, I think Gio Reyna needs to be playing that position. For me, for that team's, that team's sake of getting goals, I think he has to be there. I'm fine. Listen, I'm fine with if, if it's Aronson, just keeping him central. If Pulisic wants to play there, whoever it is, like uh, Drena, pre preferably, just have someone in that that, that just cam spot the like position. I can't tell you how many times I saw Desk run up the right side, lose the ball because he had no one to go to. Yeah, no certain. Well, no. He it was, was also mind-boggling. 
in those, those two games, not to shit on Dest too much, but oh, he, he looked horrible. He was, he got, I, I forget if it was the, the El Salvador game or which game it was, but he got burned. It was El Salvador. El Salvador. Multiple times. Man. And then Canada game, he, he was, he got caught ball watching, didn't turn into a goal. Yedlin, Yedlin ironically was the one that uh, yeah. made the big mistake for the goal, but. Do you right think back, there's a little bit of complacency in this team after those two championships? I don't think I'd so. I'd say arrogance. Arrogance? Yeah, I'd say arrogance. I think lack of experience was the biggest thing. No one – what is it? I think 10 guys have made their World Cup qualifying debuts, and they found yeah. out mostly in El Salvador. Like, what's yeah. up? I, I think it's a combination between experience on the playing side, but also a hell of a lot on the coaching side. Yeah. The last negative I want to bring up too, we got Weston McKinney drama. We just yeah. kind of went over this a little bit for pre-podcast, but uh, <laughs> guys scoring off the field, definitely, definitely scoring off the field. Maybe <laughs> well, they didn't specify who the unauthorized person was, but for anyone listening, put it together, Nashville, 21-year-old. Labor Day weekend. Labor Day weekend, bachelorette parties, nonstop. <laughs> Yeah, Unless he's going to do a fantasy football draft. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> he might have been. Listen, it's that time of the year. It's, it's very possible. Yeah. Can't miss and those that, in-person drafts either. Don't want to be that guy. And that's sad, too, because he, he played well in El Salvador. And I think if he's in that midfield instead of Kellen Acosta or Legette against Canada, we probably win that game, in my opinion. I actually thought we had one of his worst games for the U.S. against El Salvador, to be honest with you. I yeah, thought, but he I wasn't saw one of the too. worst ones on the field, I don't think. No, maybe not the worst <laughs> on the field. Comparatively but I, speaking. No, I agree, but like for, for his standards, I thought he actually had a really, really poor game, just especially possession wise, passing, first touches. He looked very sloppy. He was thinking about Nashville. Damn right, he was. Yeah. <laughs> so you didn't say he played for Juventus. I don't know if I would have known that. Yeah. Not the way he looked, yeah. But I mean, fun, like he, him, what, Dybala, and I think Arthur through that party uh, last year during COVID and yep. everything. Got in a bunch so, of trouble. Yep. Yeah, clearly, I don't know. Something's not sitting in with the kid right now. So. Very selfish of him just to do the national team, the t- his teammates, the country, like everything like that. I get it. You're 21. Trust me. We, we've all been 21. We understand what it's like to be go out and stuff. I get it. But not this just, it's just not the yeah. time for it. You have to know what you signed up for when you represent your country, and that's giving everything at all times. And forget about the fans that he let down. He let down all of his teammates and his coach, who probably had him placed in that lineup already and then had to reshuffle yeah. things probably last second. Yeah. yeah. So it, that's it's, it's, it's one week, dude. You can live without it. Exactly. And uh, I, I I hope for his sake, someone on that team, maybe one of the more senior players like Brooks or someone is able to pull him aside and, and, and show him what's what, because now, like to your point, this is the second time this has happened in, in a year. Once yeah. this club yeah. And now it is national team. And yeah. if this doesn't get across to him, even like Atlanta Donovan's got to come out and, and lambast him for it. Hopefully he gets it this time. No, I, I agree with you. What, um, so do you guys think we have any chance of even winning the group at this point, or is it more just kind of qualify? No. no. No, I think we do. I, I think the two teams that are ahead of us, we haven't played yet. One of them being Mexico, who we seem to have their number four. We're only four points behind. We're able to pull a win off of Mexico and make it a one point between us and the uh, uh, the clear other favorite in the group. I think we have a good chance. We have still seven, eight games left, whatever it is at the time. Um, I think like 12, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 12. Sorry. I don't know why. I, after I said it, like, no right. man. Eat the hex. <laughs> I think it depends on what happens over the next game, this next game. Statistically, you know, yeah, I I just don't see it. You know, I I think Mexico will probably end up pulling away at the very end. I think the U S will probably get that second spot at the end of the day, but I think 
the gap at this point is already going to be too large. It's, I don't think I don't see Mexico losing to or really dropping too many points like we have been. So, so you guys are are pretty confident in qualifying, or do you think we have to go through a playoff? Qualify, yes. In terms of finishing top group, no. Playoff, no. Qualifying, yes. I think we have a chance to top the group. I wouldn't say it's likely. I'd say probably closer to 75% not. But I think the option for us is there. I, I do think we will qualify this time around. I think there's enough talent in this team compared to the years, the year we missed out or the other years where it's been a little closer. And I think mm. I think we'll pull through. It, Greg's got to get just get control of that locker room a little bit. Okay. Uh, the way it's looking, I honestly think we have to go through a playoff. But again, a lot can change in the next next twelve uh, next couple windows realistically. So, and that could be a coaching change. So, what do you guys think? We walk out with three points or less. Is Greg fired? No, I don't think he's fired. Too early yet. I don't think he's fired yet. Um, if they take a hard L, maybe like if they lose like three or four nothing, like that would be like the okay, you're fired moment. But um, if they just took like a, a loss or a tie, he stays in. Um, I wouldn't say he gets potentially canned and you didn't ever want to say that about somebody losing their job, but if he's not performing, not bringing the goods. I don't think he makes it past the fourth game. But would, would the second window be too late at that point? If we start, if we start dropping too many, I don't think, yeah, so. I, think I don't know. I'm kind of right under time. the impression of fire, fire quick. I think that's the right time personally. Um, the, the, like right after that fourth game, because you, how many you said it's 12 games and the, we got 12 left. It's, it's 14 total. Right. So 11 after tomorrow when this comes out. So that's still enough time for a coach to come in and make an impression. Yeah. Uh, so I think that fourth game is if it's still like we have only four points amassed, then you let them go. Yeah. I, yeah. I think after the next set of games, because they play them in groups of three with the international breaks, the next set being in October, beginning of October. About to about middle October. Away, yeah. yeah uh, I think that is going to be the series that would eventually determine whether or not he's going to be gone. I think it's too early coming off the back of two wins. He's shown what he can get out of this team. And I don't think you break apart morale of that team just yet. Jamaica is going to be a big test in the first week of October. Massive. Massive test for us. That's, that's what's been killing us in games. Yeah. Very nice. I, I think it's imperative for the, for the, well, again, for the morale of team to get that win against Honduras tomorrow, they have to get three points from that game. I think to, to even have a chance at winning the group, but I think you give him the next series, the next group of three games. Okay. Do you think Pulisic's comments at the end of the Canada game were any, any kind of slight jabs at the Federation to say hint, hint, like this is what we want as players. Did you guys see him? Maybe that you want me to read them off. I don't even know. If yeah, just read it for anybody who might've not heard it. All right, so yeah, Pulisic basically at the end of the Canada game, post-game was getting interviewed, and he just said, we need new ideas at times. We didn't test them enough. We couldn't break them down. Obviously, just weren't good enough. Kind of sounds, if you read between the lines, you know, we need new ideas. That sounds like he's calling for a manager change, and that's coming from the captain. I guess my question is, is who do you bring in? Who do you have to replace him? Is who's it Bruce ready? Arena? Exactly. It, We're right in the middle Bruce of the Are, Is it Bruce Arena who's just going to – is he still coaching? Like, what's he doing? Is it – Bruce comes back, I will shoot Bruce. myself. It ain't Bruce. Right. Like, is it Tad Ramos who will step in and fill that void? Like, what are, what are they going to do? Who are they going to bring in? So, I don't know. I don't know. I, I understand what he's saying, but I still think that wasn't the problem. 
How many more opportunities do you want this team to create? If you create 13 opportunities against El Salvador and you score one goal, it's it's not the opportunities that are being missed. It's, it's, not, the, it's not the creation that's the issue, clearly. Yeah, 13 and in total, I, I believe you meant to say, right? Or 13 in it. 13, 13 chances created in total, yeah. Okay. And you created another 7 and 11 shots against Canada. I, I don't think the creation is the issue. I don't. I, I think it's... His comments were a little misplaced. I get the frustration, of course. I, I, of course I do. But I think the conversion rate is obviously the problem. And that's coming from a guy who just hit the post when they, that, you know, could have sealed the deal when he was in, in behind the defense. That's, I mean, that's that blaming him for, do, for doing that when that ball is clearly behind him. I, I think it's a little, little reckless on that comment. I, I agree. I'm not saying, I'm not saying he 100% should have converted. I'm just saying, I don't think what he said was right about the way they played in the first two games. Really? Because I, 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 when I look at the team, it was completely disjointed. The We might have, on paper, big chances created, which I would agree in the El Salvador game, there was three spot-on ones that we like should put away. But Canada, besides the one that we, we, we netted, which is a great like one-two in front of net, the pool stick off the post, what else did we really have that was like, yeah, we, we should have scored? I don't know. I don't- you know, like... It, on paper, we might be shooting a lot. That's fine and all. That's great. But I, I look at the team and it just – it reminded me of someone without an identity. Mm. They didn't know what to do. They couldn't link up with each other. Pulisic was dropping legitimately halfway between the mid, midway uh, midfield and uh, R18 just to get the ball in some, some instances because no one else could make those driving passes or runs through. Well, again, to your point, that's coming back to the fact that we don't have somebody who can sit in that pocket as that 10, that true 10 and spray out the ball where it needs to be sprayed. But I also think it's something on, on Berhalter at the same time, because we, we knew way it wasn't coming into camp. Uh, Reina afterwards also got hurt desk now too. He had times to, like he brought in a replacement for Stefan immediately. Why didn't he bring in other guys to kind of fill in the roles up front or in the midfield where we could be doing it? I don't know if it's Europe guys not being allowed on such short notice. I'm sure there's some, someone in the MLS that could have just came in as an attacking midfielder. Like, yeah, definitely. Do you, do you think he he thought that he didn't need to, given the goal for quality, given that way they performed the last little while? That's what it felt like, and I think he's one hundred percent wrong in, in what happened because things happen. Weston happens with the with the drama, injuries, COVID. There's way too much going on right now, currently, to not bring in reinforcements. I thought that was one of the, one of the biggest things. You have the lack of offense, reliance on set pieces. I mean, how many one nothing games did we win over the Gold Cup, and so. I got a question for you. If the opportunity arose and Josie, for instance, said, Hey, I'm available. Bring me on. If you were Berhalter, do you bring in Josie? Do you bring in a, someone who's proven on that level? I think everyone from that 2017 is pretty much kicked out is like blackballed. I would agree with Steve for the sole reason that I, I think they're, there's like three guys. Pay, left. Yeah. One the of them. Is Prime. With that being said, Lennon Brooks. Yeah. With that being said, though, talking on the other side of my mouth, I think I think we're at a point where we have to look at any available player and go, if you can get us to the World Cup, then then fine. I I don't I don't care. If guys aren't performing, then that's just how it's going to have to be. You can tweak the lineups or whatever once you qualify, but qualifying comes first, one foot in front of the other at a time. Um, And if we continue to not put chances away or convert chances or maybe have the, to your points, maybe have better personnel fitted for the way that Berhalter wants to play, then yeah, maybe we do need to be looking around somewhere else. 
I think it's on Burholt because we have way more than enough talent, but it's not being utilized in the right way. I forget which one of you guys said it earlier with Death starting on the left side in the first game. We have but, Anthony yeah. Robinson absolutely murdering it right now in yeah. form, has the only assist, or the only goal we scored so far. Why is he not starting on there? Why is Desk there? And it just doesn't – there's – like, what's going on in the guy's head? And then the he moved Desk to the right for Canada and then brought in Robinson. I mean, yeah, but that, that just – why not El Salvador? It didn't make sense to me. Maybe – I, I don't know if Robinson played too much and just wasn't fit in time, whatever. But the in-game subs are – I thought was fixed during the Gold Cup. It seemed to be like he was, he was, on, he was on point with a lot of those, and we just took, like, four steps backwards, like – which the 81st minute and dropping three dudes. Like how much time is that really going to give them how much of that to affect the game? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like it just doesn't, yeah. nothing adds up right there. The formation setup seems completely wrong right now. I don't know how, like we're not playing a four, two, three, one. I w- let me ask in an ideal scenario, then assuming you're now Greg Berlhalter for the both of you, what would Absolutely. you want? What would you want to see? What would you expect to see? My perfect lineup right now is going to be Turner and net. Desk on the right, which is questionable the way he's performed. Well, he's, is he even expected to play? I, I think he's out. Oh, oh, are yeah, you he saying got inju- he was injured? He's injured. Are you saying I'm for saying Honduras? Like, or are you I'm just saying, saying for tomorrow, couple- tomorrow night? Oh, oh, okay. No, I'd go three back. I would have Yedlin on the right wing back. I'd have uh, Miles on the right center back. The main center back, would pro- I'd probably put Stance. I like how comfortable he is, and he, he can go into that midfield and, and be just as good. So if that turned into a four back, that's fine. Uh, Brooks on the left center back. Robinson on the left. So basically like a three, I probably put five in the midfield. They're three, four, three, somewhere along those lines. Pulisic up top, Sargent up top, Conrad up top. So that's the, the three there. And then um, two in the mid. Adams definitely. And if he has enough in the tank, and then depending on if you have Acosta or uh, Linjet, Reina's out too. Oh, Reina's out, right. Yeah, damn. So I'd probably go three, four, three or three, five, two. Yeah. Yeah, you got to put you got to put guys in the middle because we're we're that's the one big positive I think we've had. We've been looking great out in the wings because of the quality of the wingers that we have. And you overload those and put some guys in the middle, they're going to get enough they're going to get enough chances to have to turn one or two of them in. And that Honduras team, I can't see breaking us down at that point. That's what I'm saying. Let's just stack the midfield. Like, just get the yeah. high press going. Because when we high pressed, it, it worked out great for us. I mean, that's yeah, how that's, that's, that's how the goal happened with Aaron. Yep. So if we if we just get those wing backs going forward enough, and then the three the, the three backs between Sands, Robinson, and Brooks, that is a stellar three back system that we have protecting those guys on the outside to yeah. like feel free to order to get forward and just create a bunch of pressure. And Yedlin's like a, a jet plane, so flying back. So <laughs> if he was over there, yeah, I it just. There is so much lacking in possession and everything in that midfield for us and going forward that I don't know how you don't put five bodies in there. Okay, looking at it conversely then, we we do look very good. Um, or I shouldn't say very good, but we look pretty good on counters as well. Mm. Do you think maybe maybe a, another option for in, in Greg's mind is put the four backs there, don't concede a goal, and we know we'll – will hit on counters and possession. It's not like we're going to get killed on possession. I'm not saying give up possession either. But do you think that's a possibility to maybe balance it a little bit more just to make sure we don't think, give up that goal? I don't think from an identity perspective, they would want or allow that, to be honest. From ever since Pearl Halter came in charge, like you could see the system he was trying to implement was push everyone up, play out of the back. Like yeah, It's been 4-3-3 three, three since the day started. 
yeah, like it's that's not the way they're going to play. I can't picture that. And I, I think he he's the type of guy who will live and die by his sword, essentially. Which I, I, I hate as a coach. So something like, I mean, Mike just went through it. We went through it twice with Chelsea. Jose Mourinho is a prime example of that. He plays yeah. his own way. He brings in his own players. It takes him two years to figure it out. And then he's gone by then. Play to yep. the people that you have their strengths. That's it. That's how you manage your soccer team, football, soccer team, whatever you want to call them. I'd I'm like to the Raven right now. Four three three. Kind of this the same the same thing against Canada, except without Dest, you put in Yedlin, obviously. And um I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Philson that started in striker for Josh Sargent instead. Pfock. Pfock, sorry. Yeah, he goes by Pfock. I'm I'm fine with him up front. I I if we go four back, I think our best formation is four, two, three, one. So what do you guys about think about Burhalter potentially losing the locker room? Do we think we're at that point yet? Because with Pulisic comments. And then just the way the teams looked specifically, do we think there's something going on that they don't think he's the right man in charge in, in itself? Uh, I, I don't think so. I think that's a little premature because the way that they were playing in the past two tournaments over the summer, like you could, uh, we touched on this, like the, it seems like they like playing for him. He's an emotional guy and it looks like he wears his heart on his sleeve. And I think those players in particular respond to that pretty well. I don't think he's lost them yet. The comments are definitely a little suspect. I'll, I'll say that, especially a little from, alarming from Pulisic. But I don't think we're at that point where we have to say, hey, like this dressing room is a total shit show and he's got to go. and We got to get some stability and order in here. So I think it's on its way down. Mm-hmm. But to Mike's point, I don't think we've hit hit Jose Mourinho locker room. Mania that's tough yet. to do, though. That's that's almost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That might take a couple of years, but that's a talent, actually. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. He like transcends time with that. He's like, let's just jump ahead ten years to destruction. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I, I don't. I don't think it's quite there. I think players are are you can tell are starting to be on the fringe of frustration. I think a good win against Honduras bounces right back. Yeah, you got enough time after that for players' mind stays to re, mind stays to reset. Um, and come back into the next, you know, three game set, you know, maybe mm-hmm. with a little bit of different capabilities and mind mind state. But I think the I whole think locker good. room, Greg and the coaches included, just can't wait for this window to be over and the reassess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. You think McKinney, you think McKenney gets a call back? Yeah. No. No doubt. Greg yeah. already said it to himself. He had an interview with him. He basically said it's an open door policy. No, it it would take a crap ton to be blackballed from this team you have to really go out and like set yourself like some mario Cardi type thing maybe mm-hmm. whatever just the, case the is. whole relationship on fire volatility at city volatility yeah you know just yeah. you you have to do so much damage you basically said to to not get called back so i mean the guy yeah and he made a mistake too and i'm sure that they had a conversation where mckenny apologized profusely for that you know by all accounts it seems like he's a pretty good guy yeah, he posted on his Instagram too, like something about like apologizing. So I think he understands what he did, but right. time will tell, you know, he's a young yep. kid. So yeah, like but for, saying, I mean, we've all been there. Exactly. But even as a young kid, he is one of the leaders in the locker room. So just, just be seeing one of your guys like that doing it. That's mm-hmm. the thing that kind of hurts, but mm-hmm. let's get, let's stop ranting and raving right now about the U S team. There's so much more to probably get into, but I don't want the show to be miserable. So <laughs> hopefully by tomorrow on, or, you know, when we re-record next week, We'll be singing praises. You never know. Yeah, yeah four four nothing. Pool sick Hatrick masterclass, right? Like I'm, <laughs> I'm about it. I'm about it. Listen, we can all hope. Let's get into uh, what we've been missing for quite a bit now. It feels like at least a week and a half. Some Premier League predictions for the upcoming game week, because yes, it is back. Oh, it's back! 
it's very back. <laughs> it's back in a big way, boys. So, yeah. first game we got up in the upcoming week, Spurs and Crystal Palace, I think. Yes, Spurs and Crystal Palace. Top of the league. Don't you forget it. <laughs> you were oh, you weren't here for it either. We, we yeah, to yeah. yeah. For Say you. it with authority and let the people know. Who would have thought <laughs> three games in, nine points, top of the league, no goals conceded. Oh, God, one nil wins. Um, <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> anyway, uh, truth be told, um, not expected. Happily, we'll take it. Do I think it'll last forever? No. Um, do I think this is the game they come crashing back to reality? No. I'm gonna go with the Spurs. Another why not one nil win. So we'll see. They also just got a crap ton of injuries on the international break. And speaking of the Brazil Argentina game, two of their players, Christian Romero and Giovanni Celso. Tried to sneak into the country, so they're not allowed to play. So <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll see what happens. But um, I, I do think a Spurs win one nil. So one nil sounds like a perfect scoreline for me as well. I think a two nil on that one. Crystal Palace is. I mean, listen, we we, we pretty much shit on them for that Chelsea game pretty hard, uh, which is a clearly out out outclassed uh, performance by them by the Champions of Europe at least. Mm-hmm. But um. Ever since one one, they haven't looked one, bad. Yeah, yeah. They haven't two, bad. two tough draws against teams in the top half of the table. Vieira might have something up his sleeve. I wouldn't be shocked if you know Tottenham did come crashing back down, but I'll take the one oh just uh based off something that they got going on right now. Then we have the start of the 10 o'clock games, a must, must win for our favorite team on this podcast. Arsenal against Norwich City. Norwich Oof. by a billion. <laughs> <laughs> Oof! Is this the game that Norwich finally gets redemption for whoever they just totally screwed for that shit schedule? Um, Might be. Yeah, this is going to be a tough one um, (laughs) for both teams, I guess. But um, I would say this has got a draw written all over it for me. I'm going to say a one-one draw here. I I'm going to go with the Norwich win here. I liked I liked the way they looked towards the end of the before the international break hit. I thought they were very good against Leicester, and I, not to say that Arsenal isn't a better team on paper in terms of quality, but they just look in such disarray. I don't know the international break was enough time to, for them to pull it all back together, or for Arteta to get things going. Um, so I I like Norwich City two to one here. I'm actually going to take Arsenal 2-1. to one. I think international break was exactly what they needed to kind of just recoup. Um, it's also McKellen Arteta's firing game if he doesn't, so I'm assuming he's bringing everything you think, out. That you, he you, think he, you think if he loses this, he's canned? Is that, if he is loses, that, he is has the, every right to be. Is that the word on the street, at least on the Twitter sphere? It's the word on my street, man. That's all that matters. <laughs> Let's not Chelsea forget, fame. Norwich have scored more goals this year than Arsenal. Don't forget. They have. They've also conceded one more, 10 instead yeah. of nine. So neither one's looking very good at the moment. But Tottenham have had more players deported than Arsenal have had goal scored. <laughs> <laughs> Wins, points, whatever else you want to throw out there. Just keep, keep I, I, I can't help it. I'm sorry. It's going to come right back to haunt me, but just talking all this crap. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take an Arsenal two one. I think the terms and quality, like granted, Tavito's point, Norwich have looked actually pretty pretty good in most of their games so far. I just think in terms of quality, Arsenal have to come back and do something. They're 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 playing a relegation team. If if they don't do it now, I'm I'm dead ass like series like Mark Mikel is probably done. Next ten o'clock game, Brentford and Brighton. Very tricky one. Yeah, this is a tricky one. I like a draw for this one. 
Brentford's drawn their last, was it two matches after that initial win against Arsenal? And I, I just, I think it's going to be a very Brentford attacking affair and Brighton holding on. And I, I think it's going to end up a 1 1 game. Or I can see this being even a nil nil. Mm. Who would have thought Brentford 10th place? That's where we all had him in the beginning of the season, right? Yeah, everyone. <laughs> so, I think I had him the highest, but it wasn't, <laughs> definitely wasn't there. Um, no, kudos to them for even being in that position. It's awesome to see, like we've kind of touched on. Uh, Brighton just came off, what, a, a 2-0 loss to Everton, right, La- the week prior? Yeah, they started yeah, off uh, yeah. Is uh, their boy Neil up top, is he back? Mape? Yeah, yeah he, was out, he was out with an injury. Yeah, I think he's back. Mm. I'm still not totally convinced by his finishing ability. Uh, Brenton, Brentford, I'm sorry, Brentford, um, you know, we know what they're kind of capable of. I want to say draw and follow you down that path, Vito, but for whatever reason, I get the feeling that Brighton wins this 1-0. So I'm going to stick with the right. gut there. I, I could see them having a, a, a brick wall as, mm-hmm. for defense and then 78th, 81st miss, something along those lines. They just come out of nowhere with some ridiculous goal off a corner or something else. Um, it's Brentford's first game back in the Premier League at home, to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Which is an awesome uh, crowd advantage. I'm gonna take a two-one Brentford win. Brentford win. Mm. I think we have a lot of differences here. I like this, boys. Yeah, mm. I think the next one we're all gonna have the same for the most part. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're probably right. We have Leicester City hosting Manchester City. Oh wow! I don't think Vito. I think you got confused. <laughs> Which game are you talking about? <laughs> I'm taking this one. I don't like the way Leicester looked. I, I take City here. I, I think this is going to be a 3-1. I think they're going to expose some of Leicester City's problems that we're going to end up seeing for the rest of the season. I'm with you. Man City definitely takes the win. Um, Leicester have not looked good to this point. It could be another Arsenal situation where maybe they needed that international break to reassess. But, yeah, it hasn't looked good so far for them. Hmm. I want to do something different, but it's kind of hard to go against Manchester City. So, I'll say City yep. as well. Gotcha, gotcha. And we got Manchester United and Newcastle. Man, you at Old Trafford. The prodigal the re- son will return. Yeah, the return of Ronaldo. <laughs> I, I think this is probably the most lopsided matchup of the week. Uh, I just can't see United dropping points here. Although, given last season's results, they were the model of inconsistency. inconsistency. They were consistently inconsistent, put it that way. <laughs> I think I think they're going to... I think they're going to hammer this one out. I think this is going to end up being like a 4-0 win for them. Yeah, I don't see the Ronaldo return any, any different. So, yeah, definitely Man U win. Yep, Man U win, 3 nilly. Then we got West Ham and Southampton. Hmm. This is going to be interesting. This match is going to be very interesting. In, in, uh, it's in Southampton. West Ham's in too good of form for me to take anyone else, but I think Southampton is going to give them a lot of trouble. They've looked better than we've expected this season, even though they've only pulled off two draws without a win so far. Uh, I think it's going to end up being a 2-1 West Ham win here. Yeah, I'm taking a, I'm taking a West Ham win as well. Uh, I think they just looked too good in the beginning of the season, and Southampton just have not. They've barely snuck by with what they got so far. I would agree. Concur with everything. West Ham. All right, then we got the last 10 a.m. game of the week. Seems like we have like 600 of them. It's going to be very difficult to watch. Uh, Watford and Wolves. Wow. 
Draw two two. Is this the game they finally score? <laughs> <laughs> come on, man. Don't do Wolves dirty like that. It, yeah, come on, Vito. Draw two two. That is bold. You're expecting Wofford to score two more goals. I am expecting Wofford the rest yeah. of the season. Yeah. <laughs> They're gonna blow their load. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. Wolves, wolves are wolves, so wolves open win. when they play. Wolves win. They're open, but they really don't well, they've lost three one-nothing games, yeah. And then some of the goals that even eh, they should they honestly two, but... they they probably maybe should have beat Manchester United. Let's let's be real here. Yeah. They just couldn't finish for shit. So if you watch that game, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a Wolves here, uh, two no win. They get off the mark finally and uh, send Wofford. Are they in the relegation zone, Wofford? Or are they still hanging just above? Um, no, Wofford's in twelfth right now. They're in twelfth. I mean, it's three points. Would <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's too early for that type of thing. But Wolves is actually Wolves is Wolves is in the relegation zone. So they get out of it and they send Wofford down to it. That's what we're yeah. going with. Yeah, but you're assuming that Arsenal's gonna win. No, no, they can stay down there. That's fine. I know. So, and trust me, they wouldn't be there on goal differential anyway. Yeah. <laughs> They're still stuck. Fair enough. The uh, primetime game of the week. It's actually a pretty good one. Uh, Chelsea uh, hosting Ashton Villa. After the, one, after the 1-1 one, one draw in Liverpool, I get the feeling that Chelsea is going to be out for blood. Villa also, I believe, coming off a draw as well, if I'm not mistaken. The Brentford, from the, yeah. From the week prior, one, exactly. One. Um, I think this game only goes one way, and I think that's Chelsea's way. I'm gonna probably say a two-one win for Chelsea. I'm not a little even, not even a two-one. I would say honestly a, a two-nil win. I, I don't think Gaston Villa get the goal, to be honest. I'm a little iffy on this one with Reese James out of this game because of his red card against Liverpool. You might see Tuchel try to go to a back four here the way he kind of played at PSG a little bit. I'm very curious if he's going to do it. I don't think he should, given the performances that Chelsea have been with 3-4-3. But if he does, that's going to change the way this team plays and I'm not used to it. And in that case, I think it falls to a draw here. I think Aston Villa got a lot better than everyone expected, a lot quicker, especially with all the signings they made here. Mm. So yeah, I'm taking a, I'm taking a draw. Okay, I'm taking 3-1. Chelsea win. I think they're too much. Even if they go to that back four, you throw Chilwell in there over, in, over Marcus Alonso, short of the defense and a little bit of a... Yeah. Going forward as well, Alonso doesn't deserve his place after what happened. It's really cool. <laughs> Ballsy this week with my calls. <laughs> and you'll be in the cellar. Mike's coming up in the second. Welcome. <laughs> Sunday, one game only, and that is Liverpool and Leeds. I hope you didn't just hear my puppy bark. We did. And there's also only one outcome here. <laughs> I think this is going to be a Liverpool win. Michael? Yeah, uh, I was just trying to think of any way that Leeds could potentially win this game and steal a point. But unfortunately, that defense is unbelievably exposed. So, um, yeah, Liverpool, 100%. I wonder what kind of face you're making over there and what took you so long. Yeah, Liverpool uh, definitely is taking this one, even though it's a way to Leeds. I'd love to see Leeds do something right now. They're falling into that sophomore slump, and I, I don't like to mm-hmm. see it. I think we're missing one game also, Steve. We are. We got a Monday Everton night. Burnley. Yeah. Everton and yeah, you just said it. Taking my fucking thunder. <laughs> my bad. Come on, bro. My bad. Uh, uh, tough. Everton's one. look good. Everton has looked very good at the start of this season so far. I'm hoping they can continue that run here. Burnley's obviously struggled a little bit with two losses and a draw. I think there's only one outcome for this game, especially uh, in Goodison Park. Mm-hmm. They finally spend money on a left back. <laughs> Club record signing, baby. Sean Dyke is on a mascot. Punk. 
Oh man. Uh, yeah. He's probably spent 15 million in the last four windows combined. Good for him. Yeah. I, I know he finally got his paycheck to spend. Um, yeah. Everton have been in pretty fine form. I think this is that point where they hit that fine form and they become Everton again and they get a one, one draw. <laughs> <laughs> they're off the high of august like they had last year it's just gonna start come crumbling down i see what you're saying um yeah. i i was actually gonna say the same thing i think burnley start to get something and, and get the get off the mark here or i guess they kind of already did with the draw but i, I see him doing it again one one it's a perfect result mm-hmm. and that's it for all the predictions boys i'm very excited we got premier league football coming back premier league football we have the United States playing tomorrow for whatever reason at the latest time on the East Coast. Vito, enjoy the nice game. Seven thirty. Yeah, <laughs> jerk off. <laughs> so I love it. Truthfully, U.S. at this point, so I'm just happy for the Premier League. I, I could take a break from watching that dis- dismantling, disjointed offense and whatever you want to call it. What other final thoughts you guys got on the uh, on today's show? Just said as much as I love watching the national team play, I am very happy for club football to be back. Extremely happy for club football to be back. Can't wait to see what happens this weekend to see if Spurs can retain their number one spot. We will find out. Yeah, Really, I just want to see Ronaldo back with United and that full PSG lineup out there because Messi, I want to see a full 90 for Messi and Mbappe. And well, Mbappe's hurt now, I guess, but. Is he hurt? We're, we're yeah, he's hurt. He's hurt. He's just waiting for January. His pockets are hurting me. Yeah. <laughs> Real Madrid. 200, 200 million. 60 on he gets, six paid, months he gets early. paid enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just so. a bit. Just a bit. We have, uh, just, just to go over real quick, our bold predictions. So you got me in first with 15 and both of you guys tied for second with 14. And that will continue on. We'll keep track of that for next week as well. I thought I had 15. You do. Do you? He just yeah, can't. We're tied with 15. Oh, it's tied that way? Oh, <laughs> I have 14. Yeah. I have 14. How dare you? I I'll, I'll be last after my, my draw predictions this week, but we'll see. All right, yeah, sorry. I'm future predicting that Vito's going to be in last place. <laughs> they're, not bold, they're not called bold predictions for no reason. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> you make a good point. Good point, sir. That'll do it for another episode of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. Like, comment, and hit the bell to subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Also, follow us on Twitter, slscreamers underscore pod, for daily tweets and updates about the show, World Football. I'm your host of today's show, Steve McCutcheon, along with Vito Inazelli and Michael Nowen, signing off.